0: Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Roundup Rodeo. The very best of last week's rugby coaching webinars and podcasts reviewed by host Phil Flewellyn and his special guests.
1: Howdy and welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Roundup Rodeo. I'm your host, Phil Llewellyn. It is a pleasure to have you with us as we explore the last week's rugby and coaching content. I've rounded up three excellent coaches this week, so gents, if you'd like to introduce yourselves, where you're from and your current role.
2: Uh, my name's Rich Freeman. I'm uh, from the UK originally, now living in Australia, currently Head of Rugby at Kenross Rollerway School, Orange, New South Wales. Evening everyone,
0: I'm Penny. Um, uh... Here from Oxford and Director of Rugby at Oxford Brookes University.
3: Evening, guys. Uh, I'm Phil and I'm Head of Rugby at Moulton College.
1: Gents, absolute pleasure to have you on board. Uh, Kick off with a joke. What do you call a comedian cowboy? A pun slinger. Thank you very much. I'm here all week.
2: Shocking. (laughs) Not getting any better. (laughs) Worse every week.
1: We will be discussing and reviewing some of the CPDs that have taken place over the last week. The guests will give you a brief overview of their learnings from a key piece of content they have engaged with, and then we will delve into some questions around how we might apply that in our environments. At the end, there will be a quick rundown of what the guys are looking forward to in the coming week. Links to all the content we discuss can be found in the blurb accompanying the podcast, so please do have a look. Right, we'll get straight into the discussion. Uh, Rich, we're coming to you first. What, uh, What did you engage with?
2: Yeah, look, I had a pretty good week, actually, guys, with um, accessing some content. The one that really struck me most was uh, by Stephen Rolnick and Joel Porter, um, titled Empathy in Sports. So it was a webinar uh, run by Stephen Rolnick. Uh, for those who haven't come across him, he's been sort of around everything recently. So, clinical psychologist, um, really big into motivational interviewing, or the king of motivational interviewing. So, I think Rusty had him on his pod recently, and Talent Equation, and um, yeah, he's been all over the place. But it was really good. Um, essentially, uh, and he had a few different guests from the world of performance sport. But looking at how um, empathy is really important coaching tool, so a lot of webinars recently have been on the, the what, and this was really good stuff on the how, so around how we connect to our athletes. Um, so the, the biggest race so they had a guest on, Edu Rubio, I think he's a, a football coach uh, in the Talent Pathways at home. Um, so around empathy, being using empathy to champion autonomy, but the idea that the better we can get to know our players at an individual level, the better we know the coach that that person needs. Um, so then the discussion all really formed around different methods um, of developing empathy. Um, and then obviously that linked really well within um, authenticity. So. It's very difficult for me to generate empathy with somebody else if I'm not myself being authentic and trying to delve into who the real and authentic self is of the person that uh, we're dealing with. And then, uh, those, yeah, really good conversations around that. And I thought it linked quite well to uh, Simon Amors, um, one. he talked a lot about empathy and authenticity. And um, there's a few uh, good takeaways and links uh, from that one. And there was another webinar it it's me it was around mental health and sport that football coaches Australia ran um, and again there was a lot of crossover um so I think a lot of our coach development coach education comes from a top down you know towards the pathway to elite sport and actually for the 99 percent of us sport is a um a pastime and is something that we do for enjoyment and has massive benefits in terms of our mental health and well-being. Um, and it was a really interesting conversation that, again, mirrored what Stephen Rolnick and Joel Porter were saying around actually the better we know our athletes, the better relationships we can build, the more autonomy we can give them. they are actually going to stay in the game far longer, it allows them to feel a lot more connected and respected um, and accepted. And, and that then concurrently has a, an impact on their performance. Um, yeah so some really good webinars and some big takeaways and reflections for me and I uh, don't know if you guys caught it.
1: I didn't see those so no really interesting um, I guess my first question is around a time challenge because that always seems to be the one that people struggle with for, for everything we always want to do more and more and more in your environment Rich how would you overcome the challenge of, of not necessarily dealing with full-time players as you say it's, it's I guess it's slightly easier in a professional environment because they've got access to them every day. If you're seeing, you know, kids in a school two or three times a week, or you're you're in a club environment twice a week, how how would you go about kind of putting that into place?
2: Yeah, look, this was probably one of the topics on there. So everybody um, is time poor as a coach. So you you've got to balance, you know, and every coaching specialist is looking for more time, whether it's for set piece or strength conditioning or you know everybody needs more time for their bit whereas they kind of flipped it on its head a little bit that you know for me I work in an area in a school where my job is not performance my job is education and rugby is part of the education program at that school so you know they came up and think we need to kind of sacrifice a bit of today for their tomorrow so and I really that that's a quote that kind of really hit home so we why haven't we got the time to invest in building relationships so but at a fundamental level that to answer your question that we need to spend a lot more time and uh talking at the little micro level so every time you catch somebody in the corridor, to just building a bit more relationship is is empathy is not necessarily being best mates with somebody or having a real detailed understanding of the person but it's around just trying to see the world through their lens a little bit more um, and even Simon Amor mentioned it just from a player point of view. Is if I've only ever played one position, it's very difficult for me to then see the game through a kid's lens that they've never played that position. They're seeing it from a completely different place. But it's how can we, you know, and I know you guys are doing some good stuff. Like um, I know Joe's been doing a lot of stuff with the Oxford Brook guys online and in lockdown. This is a great opportunity to build those relationships and the knowledge of your players. We're fortunate in the school that I work in boarding, I uh, work across um, you know sport and some other areas of the school that you actually develop some different relationships and the teachers that are teaching them in a the classroom and then obviously in rugby or boarding and different areas of the different areas of the school they're going to develop different relationships and different understanding of the different elements of that person or as many as possible um, and the key thing was that we don't have to know everything about them but as long as we are authentic in Stephen Roll makes the big thing is if we're authentic in the ways that we approach the conversations, we're likely to make mistakes, but we've got much more license to be able to navigate that conversation with different coaching tools. So if we need to if we need to be a bit more direct or if we need to be a bit more pleasant or however um, you navigate that conversation, you're you've already built the relationship to a point where it can actually handle far more stresses on the relationship.
0: Yeah, I mean, just just thinking thinking about that, and I've, I've been thinking about, you know, as you say, Richard, we've been doing some podcasts with some of the lads uh, over the last couple of weeks, and the whole purpose of that was to try and connect with, try and connect with the players a little bit better, like you say, you know, it's really important to, to have some conversations that sometimes aren't around, around rugby and around different things. But the purpose of it really was to try and get, have, sort of connect with, the players that I wouldn't usually connect with. So the ones that maybe might be in the fourth team, third team, those type of guys, but it's naturally been the the second team and the first team guys that put their hands up to want to be on the podcast. So it's been a bit, you know, I'd be interested in, and obviously I don't want to to call people out and you don't want to say, right, you're going to be on it next week. Um, So I'd be interested to hear people's thoughts around, you know, if there's anything that's come out of the learning that you've had from the webinars that you've been on around that connection piece, how tapping into to those players and those people that you might not usually have those conversation have conversations with without forcing it on them.
1: Do, do you think there's a thing around? Uh, podcasts and stuff that it's it goes out for public consumption and like I, I, the conversations I've had I've got no idea who I had this one with but I think we talked around doing something like that but actually it's, it's just an internal thing so you, you do the prep and you'd set it up as a this this would be something you know a podcast a radio show something like that but actually you just never share it but it's a really good way of just the three or four people on the call learning a ton of stuff more about each other in a really relaxed, fun environment. If everyone goes, oh, actually, that was really easy and, you know, I didn't sound like an idiot, yeah, let's chuck it out there, but kind of the premise of we'll just do it for the sake of doing it might be a good way to get over that.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea. You know, maybe you record it. You record it anyway, share the content with the lads and say, if you're happy for this to go out, then, then let me know. If you're not, we'll just keep it for us. Yeah, I feel that was me. Oh,
1: it was, yeah, I, I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> almost like it was planned, mate. Almost.
3: I know. It's like, yeah, we planned this, have not we? <laughs> yeah. No, I think uh, like following off like Joe's point, I think we said diving into that, we're going to look at doing that that sort of process where we just get people internally uh, and almost build like that resource portfolio. Um, Something I'm quite intrigued with Rich I guess is how in that authenticity role, do you kind of did they speak about team like team coaching sort of thing so within that point uh, did they speak about so obviously you personally can be authentic but the guys around you how do you get those guys to buy in as well
2: yeah good question I think um, and I think Simon Amor sort of touched on it that there's the authenticity paradox that I can be really authentic to myself, but that probably only allows me to align and build relationships with a a narrow portion of the group. I've got to be able to be flexible in my approach and, you know, to be truly empathetic and get to know people, we've got to be able to speak to them on their level and understand them. You know, in the example around podcasts, there's probably some people who wouldn't want to go near it, you know, whatever, however you spun it. So... It's trying to find ways that you can meet them on their level. In a team environment, though, I think you're trying to treat everyone individually within, but trying to treat everyone the same. And it's a really difficult conversation, I think. On field, it's very difficult. I think it would be quite difficult to, you know, that's where you put in, into practice your knowledge of their individual or individuality. I think it's the off-field time that um, we have to invest in to get to know those people as best as we can but in terms of the players developing empathy for other players it's really interesting when uh, Imitaz Ahmed one of the other guests was then talking about I could be wrong here but he talked about empathy is not just having empathy for our own team it's also for the other other team so when we talk about those co-adaptive games and tactical warfare and understanding the other team are going to be thinking like this there's actually a really important skill for kids to develop that I need to get in Try and put myself in their shoes as an opposition and think how would they attack? How would they defend in this situation? How might they respond? But in practice, just thinking out loud, I would I'd probably look to use the same kind of games you would normally do, but instead of feeding back on the tech tack, you're actually feeding back on the psychological stuff. So, how are they interacting with other people? I'm trying to maybe gauge with some questions. So, how might, how might your, you know, we're talking under lines, how is your winger? him right now he hasn't touched the ball and he's freezing cold so yeah does that then impact on some behaviors i don't know
1: i think they're really good points and um, I, I love that you talked about actually you know using this time to connect with people because we've got nothing else to do almost and, and actually rather than the on-field stuff I, i've seen lots of discussion online around the uh, how much are people learning because learning actually needs a a practical delivery element to to then apply something and you know get it wrong get it right and reflect and, and move through as a process and and actually the empathy part i think is huge in in this time there's nothing stopping us having those conversations and and learning more about the players that we deal with and them as people rather than being on the grass with them to have to do that so yeah some some really good takeaways there cool joe we're going to come to you what uh, what did you engage with this week
0: also um in between obviously Working still full time, yet to be put on furlough or anything like that, and looking after the children, found a little bit of time to uh, to, to to look and read and uh, uh, listen to some stuff. So, uh, a couple of couple of ones that I that I sort of engaged with was the with the Dan Cox Magic Academy one. Lots of stuff in there around his experiences and his journey as a coach to 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 where he is now, and you know, not not being. You know, working in an academy, but not being one of the, the, the professionals that have dropped out of the game um, to go straight into academy was an interesting was was in, in interesting sort of spin on on it for for me. And obviously, looking at what different life skills he he developed in the real world as it were before he then transitioned into sort of academy rugby and the stuff that he's doing from a coaching point of view so um uh, you know took lots of lots of stuff on that in particular uh rusty and he sort of spoke about you know as a head coach or a director of rugby you know who are the people that are challenging you you know uh in your in, in your coaching team so whether that's your coaching you have the makeup of your coaching team or whether that's players or you know, often the buck stops with, with, with the head person, and the head person is the person that makes the decisions. But, but who's actually, you know, who are you then accountable to? Who's challenging you on some of that thought process? We're saying, got me thinking about, you know, the makeup of, of our coaching team and have we got enough challenge? Have I got enough challenge from the coaching team that, that, that I have? Or do I need to, you know, do I need to think about maybe changing some stuff up or giving some writing some, helping some people with their IDPs or, you know, letting the, the, the coaching team know that I need a bit of challenge to keep me in check every now and again. So uh, that was a really interesting one. Uh, the other one that I that I really enjoyed was the um, the building success through teamwork one with Chris Duncan. So Chris Duncan's hockey coach, Scotland senior winning and director of hockey at Edinburgh Academy. Uh, but there was loads of good stuff in there around sort of, teamwork you know how, how important teamwork is you know he, he used a really really strong example of what other domains outside sport display good teamwork and you know looked at the Navy Seals, looked at pilots looked at Formula One uh, looked at Formula One teams uh looked at surgeons uh looked at the Red Arrows and one one question that I sort of was thinking about when in those examples were coming up which wasn't mentioned was what are the consequences of poor teamwork for any of that group for that group of people? So, you know, maybe see it's the consequences of poor teamwork are death. <laughs> the pilots the poor, you know, the consequences are, de- are death. You know, so there's some pretty big consequences for, for 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 those guys. And you know, how can obviously it's not life and death for, for for a rugby team, but how can you how can you make that, you know, how can you make it a little bit more impactful around what the consequences are? They also dived into a lot of stuff around sort of personality traits in your team and how personality traits can complement each other. So I looked at some red, like red circles, or your risk takers, your flair players, but prone to, prone to rash decisions every now and again, blue squares. They're your hard workers. They keep it simple, but they're consistent. Uh, and then they started, you know, the conversation went, Do, is there, does there need to be something in the middle? Does there need to be a purple triangle? For example, that looks at you know that that spans red a bit of red and blue that has the ability to shift between between the two. So yeah, those those were those were my the you know my big engagements, um, and then uh, I'm trying to get through um, some of the John Gordon books at the moment. So uh, just look, just reading at the moment. You win in the locker room first, where uh, John John Gordon and Mike Smith talk about the 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 seven C's of a successful team, which are culture uh, sorry culture whether or not it's contagious consistent uh, whether it's consistent communication connecting connecting commitment and care so yeah that's what I've been getting my head into this week really.
3: Oh, um, Joe, how do you think it's going to make you reflect on your team as a, as a coaching team from these kind of um, webinars that you've gone on. So how do you think that's made you? Because you said briefly touched on it, it's going to make you think about how you do it as a team. What what do you think you're going to adjust, maybe fine tune, challenge yourself with?
0: Yeah, I think uh, you know. I, I think what I'm probably going to look at in in uh, you know in the, whenever we're allowed to get back on the pitch again is is actually you know saying to the players or saying to the other coaches. You can use you, you, you know, it's very often the case of. I'm setting challenges for the for the for the other coaches in the team or for the players actually it's your opportunity to set me some challenges you know maybe for me to look at some stuff that I'm not that I'm not that good at you know I, I'm really excited about attack maybe I need to go spend some time with defense coaches um you know maybe I you know there are some things that are uh, some some things that I say which I need challenging on that I, that that would be good if I didn't say, and would be more helpful if I thought about some of the language that I'm using. um So maybe it's it's given me an, you know, challenge. Uh, it, I've definitely reflected over this period of time, saying, yeah, I've probably not had enough challenge over the last couple of years, if it's something that actually, it, ch- what is challenge the right word? Stretch maybe, because it's it's often been a lot of my my planning and you know a lot of. My detail, whereas actually it's there's an opportunity for the other guys to maybe,
2: yeah, to to challenge me a little bit rather than it always being the other way around. Joe, like coming back to, to you on the, the coaching team stuff, how would you go about in future? You know, in the community game, you don't have as much scope in terms of maybe hiring or choosing the coaches you work with. So, how do you mold? How do you develop their ability to? challenge you
0: one one thing that we we've been looking at over this this the last couple of months is actually sharing our idps with each other so you know for me it's you know if that challenge if that challenge piece is really important let the let the other guys know let them know that it's important to me and that i'm going to need it and you know if we get to month you know month two or whatever of the season and we're reviewing our idps then it could be like Actually, no one's no one's done any of this with me yet. Can you please help? Can you please help me out? Because uh, I'm going to need it over the next couple of months, and especially as we get towards the business end of the season. Because you know, I'll I'd, I'd, I'd end up just doing it the same way the whole time. And actually, you know, sharing our and so the lads, are, the the guys are have are going away and working on those at the moment, and then they're going. We're all going to share those with each other and just have a conversation about them and see where we can support each other with some of that stuff.
2: And how involved would you be in supporting other people in developing their IDPs?
0: Uh, so, the in the first instance, it would be a case of, right, off, you know, because I'm, I'm a firm believer of people need to own their own development, because if they don't own it, then ultimately it's just someone giving me some orders of stuff that I need to do. So, I, I am really keen on them looking at, you know, thinking of a thinking of working using a bit of a reflective frame like a reflective model as it were you know whether or not that's through a bit of micro reviewing after their sessions or whatever um, just have a little look, have a look internally come up with some stuff and then we'll have a conversation about it and once we've had a conversation about it then maybe we can look to formalize that a little bit more because the, you know like I say there's no point me going this is what I think your IDP is. Because their opinion of that might be completely different. They're they're the ones that need to they're the ones that need to own it, because if they own it then they'll run with it and they'll look to improve in the areas which they feel they need to improve it.
1: I love that. I think it's just crucial. fundamentally crucial having one, as you said, you you've got to own your own development. So good stuff. Uh Phil, what uh, what was your content this week?
3: Yeah, so uh so I start I mean, I guess I started last Friday, I guess. So I've been uh doing some some webinars which uh, Aaron Walsh, uh, a guy who works for New Zealand Chiefs, uh, well, Chiefs, uh, New Zealand, he's basically a mental skills coach. Um, uh, the, the thing, I'll be honest, uh, I, this is one of my biases around mental skills and uh, the, the challenges that, that everyone has, and it, it was really good. Um, he's, he's obviously got a wealth of experience, having worked in uh, Major League Baseball and kind of cricket and top level stuff. Um, uh, And it was always the best thing about it was he kind of outlines that he's not not a psychologist. So, from that perception of it, kind of actually, I'm not a psychologist. I just kind of understand people. Probably goes back to Rich's uh, content about that empathy. Um, I mean, first week he kind of discussed a lot about. where he's worked with the guys at Chiefs, and that it's all about switching the brain off. Uh, everyone thinks that. I suppose nowadays it's quite a big key thing that mental skills are, are quite a big aspect of it. Um, so he he talks a lot about bridging the gap. So how do you bridge the gap from pressure and performance? Um, so he was looking at um, if they can perform well in training, why are they struggling in in the high pressure situation uh, or like that kind of. Train like Tarzan, play like Jane. I guess analogy. Uh, and like like I said, first first week was a lot about do you utilise sleep, do you switch brains off, do you use use it like a brain gym. Um, and then this week it's kind of progressed a little bit more. Kind of I guess if if anybody's really fundamentally read Legacy, it's it's probably a more in depth version of Legacy personally um, and. It's, it's kind of talking about actually why do certain players perform in certain teams? So if one player leaves one team wider, they go to the other team and they they always perform well. Um, so obviously the, the environment kind of context. And he was saying that actually 70% of kind of all of it comes down to it, is down to environment. Um, it, so for that that element of performance, how good is your environment? Uh, and he was talking about how low he's top pros, whether it's cricket or they use A.B. Davilius and say that he's gone to all these top clubs as a cricketer uh, and he always just wants to be accepted. Um, so it's kind of along that line and that collective purpose, uh, belonging. Uh, and then he kind of finished the, this week, and it's like a couple of weeks, like part series, I guess, uh, about positivity. Um, something which I guess I've been trying to to do within sessions because I, I, I try and highlight with my, my lads at college uh, and, and even adult rugby, uh, the teams I coach outside, it's what are they good at? How often as coaches are we kind of quick to say what do we need to improve on and those sorts of things and, and something I've challenged myself with over the last, well I knows not many years, uh, is kind of making, especially within kids uh, the younger age groups, them identify what they're actually good at. Um, so I've pulled kids out when they've done, they've executed like a two-on-one, something like that. Um, so it was similar to things like that, and kind of it, it's it's really good because for for the context of that, he doesn't delve too much into the science behind it, but he he puts it into context and, and like especially the purpose. And he was talking about how in New Zealand. Uh, the, the islanders, when they've come over, so whether they're from Samoa or Tonga, that uh, actually, they always say they're Samoan New Zealand or something like that. So they kind of bridge that kind of purpose and that, that, that belonging, which, yeah, I found really, really interesting. Um, I mean, bear in mind, my, my wife walked past when I was listening to it, and she's got a psychology degree, and she was pretty impressed with everything that was going on. So, uh, so yeah, so it was, uh, it was pretty good.
2: Yeah, Phil, I've got, um, I'd love to hear more about that. I think the psychological skills stuff is something that we're all sort of grappling with. Um, can you tell me more about like, so in terms of your takeaways, what have you reflected on about how you would need to sort of further adapt or challenge your the environment that you work in that would allow players to thrive or develop more in terms of that psychological skill?
3: Yeah, I think um, for me, I've, I've kind of reflected as a two-point because uh, in my, my head of rugby role, I kind of think of it as like that education environment um, and then also senior rugby kind of. I think the senior rugby, it's really made me kind of relate to that positivity side. With, I think something I've kind of taken away from it is actually sometimes there's too much rugby. So, although students may be on a a rugby programme or doing stuff like that, these guys that are under 18, they do a ridiculous amount of rugby. Um, And actually, sometimes I've seen kind of the best results and I think that's where it's gone back and made me think, actually, I need to do this more. When actually, we've probably moved away. I I wouldn't say move away and gone let's play football because it's not that. It's probably made me think, actually, can I do something which they're all going to have a laugh with? um, They're all going to kind of have a joke about with. um, So it's probably made me think that actually our Friday fun days are probably quite key. They're probably the the best sessions of the week, actually. Um, Looking at it from that point of view. um, Yeah, I think that's probably... uh, And then the other thing is... I think it goes back, and they all kind of interlink, I guess, with the empathy, but actually switching off from rugby. Um, so how often do I talk to the boys when I'm not talking about rugby? Um, I think I'm quite lucky in some aspects that I'm, I I teach some of them as well. Um, but then that also has a hindrance because then they kind of uh, Boundary. So actually kind of spending that a bit more time in those casual collisions, I guess, and actually talking about non-rugby. Um, it's probably something which I, I'm probably going to take away a lot more from and say they see me rugby. They see me probably in lessons, but actually they need to see me as a, a non, and then that will create that kind of better environment I, I probably perceive. It's probably maybe, re- maybe reinforced that some of the stuff I'm doing is pretty, pretty on point. It's just fine-tuning it and maybe being consistent. That's probably my biggest one. Um,
0: but yeah. I was, um, you mentioned that a couple of times, well, you mentioned about Friday Funday. What does, what does a Friday Funday session look like? <laughs> what? <laughs> what doesn't a Friday Funday session
3: look like? <laughs> uh, uh, to be honest, it's something I, so, I mean, this is where I've probably got something in common with some of the students. I, I went, I was in the first cohort of the rugby academy at the college many, many years ago. And I understand that come that second year, they are almost deaf by rugby. Some of these guys are under 18, whether they're doing academy stuff, CB stuff, club stuff, plus our stuff. They're just, their brains are frazzled. Um, So some of the things we've done, um, we've kind of done like, you got the generic stuff like knots and crosses, kind of problem solving stuff. We've done NFL drafts where they each get like a, a set set amount of money and we kind of auction them off. Uh, that worked quite well. A bit more time consuming than I wanted it to be. Um, uh, it was interesting because some of the best players went for not so much. And then, yeah, just we've done loads of stupid things. We do a lot of trades. So we like I like bringing the old NFL trades in because it's we'll play a game and it'll get quite competitive or maybe even one-sided and then we'll trade Uh, and then the rules are you can't trade a trade Uh, and those sorts of things. they then even the teams out. So come the end of the session, the teams are very even and they've done it all themselves. It's not me picking the teams. They all stand with their mates to start with because kids are kids. They know if you go in a group of three, they're going to probably be together. So, yeah, and then we've done challenges. We've done runs and stuff like that where they've had to do like carry carry stuff and it's like a race and sort of challenges and it's just a little bit so it's not just rugby driven. It's kind of a little bit more them interacting with each other. I think that's probably the, the biggest thing whether that's stupid tops they have to wear or, or something like that. it's Because I'll be honest some of these guys are playing on the weekend as well. So you, you kind of don't want to Bash them too hard on a Friday for that for their, their clubs as well. So, yeah, to be honest, that's why I say Friday Fun Day kind of consists of whatever your imagination can kind of come up with. Um, it's been pretty cool actually, those sorts of things because it's also challenged me. So going back to your point about being challenged, it's kind of making me think about different different aspects of, of what I do.
0: What uh, you know, look at just thinking about that. What made you? Uh, what made you want to sort of put that Friday-Funday in? Was it feedback from the players or did was it just a, a decision that you made based on lads um, rocking up to a normal Friday session and being knackered and yeah, not, I'd say it's, not on it?
3: I'd say you probably, yeah, a lot of it's that. Common sense, they wouldn't tell you they were knackered. Um, but ultimately, I'm not stupid. I know they would have. Um, they're, they're just keen to please uh, and that's something which They'll always do. So a lot of it was feedback from them. Something which I've kind of learned over the last couple of years, and I think it's quite powerful. Is be willing to stand there and kind of let them posit, like let them feedback and say what you I could personally do differently. And it took a while because I suppose you have to bite your tongue a few times on their perceptions. But yeah, just getting their feedback was was key. That actually they were like, Phil, we need to just lighten up a little bit or have a little bit of fun. And, and also, I was well aware that second year of a programme, they're probably getting to that point where they're valid off rugby. Um, so how do I keep those guys interested? So that actually, they still want to showcase. Uh, probably, so yeah, it was a combination of probably everything all, all rolled into one. But yeah, I think going back to probably making sure I'm being a lot more consistent with that. Um, something I've really taken away from this whole process again.
1: Top stuff. Right. I'm uh, going to shift the discussion on. And this is why we're all here, really, because we get to talk about the last dance, which has been everywhere. Two more episodes to finish it coming up next week, which I cannot wait for. And I, I'm going to kick off with a real easy kind of introductory question. If Michael Jordan hadn't been probably the greatest team athlete. Uh, in the world would anybody have tolerated him because is he a bully?
3: Uh, I, I'm going to say no matter what there's always a, a Michael Jordan in the team. Uh, I, I, I really reflected on this and I look back and the one athlete from my academy last year really stands out of that sort of drive. The rest of the boys hated him but he was so driven so focused every time he stepped on that pitch was really competitive but then I actually think that's maturity of the other guys. Um, he was probably way more mature above his age. I think it would be because I think there are players. I know there's top athletes, international athletes that have probably got that mentality. Um, but I think to make the team is you need a Michael Jordan and a, a Scotty Pippen, personally. You need that quiet man who's going to work hard. And then you <laughs> Dennis Rodman, I guess. He's a bit out there.
0: I suppose it's interesting if, like, if if Jordan didn't have Pippen and Rodman in that team, and then uh, later later on the other, who was the guy with the the glasses who came into his own, and then the guy, I don't forget, I don't forget his name. If he didn't have them, would he have been as successful as he as he was? Because you know P- Pippen led the league in assists or whatever it was, and you know probably set up Jordan for a lot of his points and. Would would Jordan have had as much success without without those guys in the team as as he did?
2: See, so I think this is a, an, an interesting balance. I think in a snapshot of the documentary, you only see the the not dramatized, but you you see the thing that's going to make people talk. So, if it, you know, I'm assuming his characteristics would be pretty similar most of the time. But one of the interesting things that connected this for me was. Um, one of the coaches on these webinars talking about the need for psychological safety first, which allows you to, you know, if you've got psychological safety and you've built up those rapport and relationships, you're actually capable of having far more robust conversations and holding people to account in a way that you wouldn't be able to do if you didn't have that relationship. And looking at it, it's Michael Jordan, I've never seen in any of the documentaries so far that he just talks about how good he is. He's always shifting some accountability unto other people and always um, praising and saying that they need that person for him to be successful. So I would imagine um, that there would have been a lot of relationship building that would have gone on previously to allow him to be that robust in his communication and still maintain respect, obviously, through what he's doing. But um, I think there's probably a lot that's gone on behind the scenes for him to be able to do that effectively
1: yeah i think I think you're bang on i think that's the really interesting bit as much as it jumps back to the earlier earlier seasons and kind of tells the story you you just don't i mean you could be there for a hundred episodes and still want more couldn't you, you you're probably never going to see the real detail in behind the curtain of of actually what that looked like when he came in as a as a new you know new draft pick, and suddenly everyone realized he was incredibly talented, but he still had a lot to learn himself, so yeah I definitely guess there's an element of that, but it, I do yeah i I guess same as Phil I've reflect on that quite a lot of how how have I managed or engaged with similar types of players and and clearly I think you've got to recognize first and foremost like if they're that good. And you're not at an elite level. You need to be pushing them on to find a better level of challenge. And, and that was a big thing. And I'd, I'd like to think I've done that pretty well. But that that edge or that, yeah, that that kind of, not nastiness, but just, but just I guess, that purity of drive is quite a, I think can be quite a challenging thing for a coach to deal with when it potentially rubs people up the wrong way or they get a bit defensive because they're being called out for stuff that other people aren't willing, willing to call them out for.
3: I think. I think More importantly, it's it's probably going back to that. Is I wish they probably be focused more on is Phil Jackson. Like fundamentally, none of this would have ever happened without his man management of all of these personalities. Uh, I think Rich is spot on about how um, he's obviously built up that that process. Uh, I know there's a snapshot where he talks about where they lost that that playoff. Uh, I think it was to Detroit and they all kind of spent the summer break in the gym and stuff like that, and it was Jordan who was driving them. Now, that would have also been the fact that how do you mould these rogue personalities all together, I guess, because um, there is a big blend. Um, I suppose I think it's quite a common thing in rugby, personally. Um, these, these kind of driven competitive edge guys. I mean, you have to look at England, don't you? <laughs> I think that's the the easiest one to look at. Are you telling me Farrell's not competitive? Are you telling me is not competitive. He is, but they've got guys around him who kind of help that kind of edge, I think, personally. But it's it's that man management of how you bring these kind of personalities and get the best on a on a Saturday for us.
0: Um, yeah, no, that you know, that 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 takes us on to a question of like balancing your team as well and balancing <laughs> your squad around. You've got your Otojos and you've got your your Aaron Farrells that are the, the standard drivers and the the ones that are the competitors. But then you've got your your Joe Marlers and your you know your Ellis Genches, which whilst they're still you know their standards are pretty high, I would I would imagine. But they're the ones that are going to bring a bit of lighthearted hearted humor because it can't all be about being competitive and driven and wanting to be the best the whole time. You know, and so I look at that Chicago Bulls team and think. If it was if it was five Michael Jordans, would it be would it, been, would it have been as successful as it as it was? The fact that you've got Dennis Rodman, who's a bit of a loose cannon, the fact that you've got Scottie Pippen, who's chilled out as anything, uh, you know, it gives it gives that it, it gives the team a nice balance, and I think that that's what you've got to look at in your team uh, because your competitive guys will drive, will, will pull people up with them but then you're, you're more lighthearted down to earth. We'll bring the guys, we'll bring people back down when they need to. So balance is really important.
2: Yeah. And I think there's also a real skill that as coaches, we've probably got a responsibility to, to bring out that you, you've got characters who are inherently driven and competitive and will be like your Owen Farrells. But then um, you've also got some people that maybe feel the same, but don't have the communication skills or the, they would just come across as playing abusive rather than being able to drive and inspire and to elicit a positive reaction from their teammates even if it's pretty robust that there's a fine distinction i think between those skills and what would make one abusive and what would make one inspiring i'd be curious to figure out how you would go about in your lands and in your worlds how you would develop those skills
1: that's a great question. I think there would be a lot of honesty. And and I've done that, you know, those kind of sit down, whether it's with a, a few quiet beers in a changing room, or, or whether it's just, you know, after training or over food or something like that, but actually just getting boys to to, to really be comfortable with sharing, by the way, when you do this, this affects me in this way and not not with any repercussion not with any intent but it's just an awareness piece and i mean i i still remember this day i think we were probably 15 or 16 sat around my kitchen table with my school team and and we did exactly the same thing and we just went around and we we just gave each other really honest feedback and no one took anything personally um you know, no one, no one got their back up, but everybody just accepted that they there was a role for honest feedback from other people about the great stuff they do, but also about the stuff that they, they didn't necessarily like or they didn't necessarily enjoy, or or just a suggestion of how we could be a better team or, or have a better relationship. And yeah, that that will always stay with me because that was probably the first time I'd ever done that. And I think the more you can do that. The, the more you just break down those barriers and, you know, that, that little quip that somebody always makes at someone, you might just, you you might not have any idea of the effect that has on them, but just a, do you know, that really upsets me. Oh, mate, I'm really sorry. I, I had no idea. I won't do It can just change a whole team dynamic, I think.
0: Yeah, we uh, we looked at something this season, um, um actually, you talking about your experience there, has made me think about how we might we could have developed it even more so to create even bigger connection. But it was to you know, it was basically what we what we had was uh, like a like a, I just put like a, a fear bin in the middle of the change room just before a game, load of pens and paper on the on the desk, and just said look and if anybody's got anything they're worried about or fearing or scared about today, write it down on a piece of paper, chuck it in, and get rid of it let's not worry about it for the next two hours. But what I'm now thinking of is maybe we could have, there was an opportunity to share some stuff with each other there around. Actually, this is what I'm worried about. You know, this is what I'm scared about. It doesn't need to be rugby related. It doesn't need to be about, uh, you know, it could be work or social life or home life or anything like that. Just, but it's a safe space for people to, you know, create a safe space for people to share some of
2: that stuff. That's a, a really good idea, Joe. I love that. Um, kind of back to- um, the mental health webinar I did with Football Australia and they came back with this quote that leaders build bridges, not walls. And I think that would be a really good example of, of you building bridges and allowing other people to build their own bridges with each other to share some of that stuff. I think I would, yeah, I'd be interested to see what the effect of
3: that would be. Do you think, do you think there's got sort to of be a, a space of actually educating people that speaking to each other and giving them like what their feelings is is okay uh because something i've i found probably working with the the younger age groups is that something which probably isn't kind of as as comfortable to them you give them a bit of feedback they instantly get their back up and kind of it's that fight or flight kind of personality and it's i think something i've kind of taken and uh, and is actually probably got a build to that situation where you kind of have that honesty part and that honesty circle, and say, right, let's sit down. What are you thinking? What are you saying? Because I think I also think it's a British tradition that you don't really express your feelings. Uh, let's be honest; it's not the most common thing, where you, unless it's on social media
0: and stuff like that. We we notice that with the freshers, the freshers are really reluctant uh are really reluctant to sort of open up around some of this stuff because big changes in their lives they don't want to be seen but you know there is a, a perception that they don't want to be seen as being vulnerable you know they're, they're you know they're at university now and it's a really important part of their lives but then you know because our, our senior lads you know some of our lads have been with us for five years and they're really because we've developed sort of some of this stuff over the last sort of five or four or five years they're really happy to share stuff and then that makes it safe, you know. That makes it a safe environment. If well, if he's, if you know, if the older guys are sharing stuff like this openly, then it's okay for me to. So, but it does take time, and they are reluctant. But you know, you, that's why it's important that you've got your leaders within your group and your your standard bearers that that that, that are that, that are sort of driving these things home. So, yeah, It's, it's interesting.
1: I think you can definitely build it in and and layer it in something so time in Canada with the University of British Columbia just working with their rugby programme and just got the lads they were 44 guys sat in a team meeting just said right think of you know one person in the room you respect and why think of one person that makes the environment more enjoyable great write it down awesome now get up go and find them and tell them and just watching watching the body language because they're all a little bit like oh who who am I going to think of and then get up Oh geez, I've got to again tell this. And then you just sure hugs and high fives and handshakes. I wish I'd filmed it because it was awesome. And then speaking with a couple of the volleyball coaches, they um they've taken that like a whole other level. So they do a gratitude circle before every training. So in their in their little locker room, they'll just sit down and and every single player will go around and just and, and the coaching staff, everybody involved and will just explain something they're grateful for. And I was just like, for me, that that is then a core component of your program. Like you're not playing lip service to that. That is embedded. And if you're doing that every single session, like you've got to get up to speed quite quickly. Even if you're a little bit uncomfortable uh, as a fresher coming in or a first year or whatever, you you're gonna get very used to that very quickly. And I just thought grateful is a really nice where, like nice place to start with that because it hasn't got to be sport related it's not going to be feedback related it is just being willing to share something with your teammates that you probably weren't going to do if if you weren't kind of undertaking that activity and that's just like yeah how how you build that into or my takeaway was how how do I kind of yeah embed that into other environments I do not necessarily that that gratitude circle but I just thought it really showed you can you can put it at the heart of everything you do.
0: I think if we uh, if we all get out of this COVID nineteen stuff alive and all our family members alive, we actually get back on a rugby pitch. There'll be a lot to be grateful for. So it could be a could be really useful. Could be really useful.
1: Definitely, definitely. Right, guys, we're going to uh, finish it off. So uh, just hit me up with what are you looking forward to in the coming week.
0: So. Um... I've reached out to, so for the podcast next week, reached out to some uh, university people that have been involved in university rugby from a coaching point of view. So a lot of our podcast stuff has been sort of internal stuff uh, in the first couple of weeks, but now we're going to try and sort of get out there and, and speak to some other people involved in some other university environments. So I'm looking forward to potentially getting one of those going this week and having a chat with some people. So I'm excited about that.
1: Nice. Shameless self-promotion. I love it. That is where we get people on. It's like the BBC. Just, just come and plug your own stuff. It's,
0: cool. it's called Jouet and Jugs on Apple Podcasts and, uh, and uh, Spotify. It's just search for it.
1: Boom. I will include it in the link, mate. Don't you worry. <laughs> Phil, uh, Phil, what are you, uh, you going to look for?
3: Uh, yeah, similar. But uh, I'm going to reach out because one of my friends runs uh, Fab Rugby. Um, so... I'm gonna to touch base with him this week and basically just trying to get him to kind of do a bit of a webinar with my rugby academy guys just to like we were speaking earlier about um teach them how to do these sorts of podcasts so how to to interview these guys um, and hopefully got a few few pro players that we're gonna reach out to and they can do these sorts of um run' By themselves then um so it's just kind of a bit of a a teaching tool so he's going to hopefully come in and kind of teach them first before we go live
1: nice uh rich what about you
2: we've got a, a few things lined up i've been really enjoying uh uk sport and andrew bradshaw have been running some uh coach developer conversations so some uh webinar type um conversation with different guests around some different topics they've been really good um and then a few from down under so acp so australian college physical education do a monday night coaches club uh where they uh a lot of uh guys from that from football new south wales some academic guys so they'll run some stuff uh tim gabbett running uh something on load management this week and uh, there's a physio in Sydney called Scott Wilson that runs a young athlete podcast, uh, which is really good. There was a, a good one this week from Simon Gardner, so around concussion in, in youth sport, which was really interesting around some of the research around that. So got plenty backed up from the ones you guys have told me as well. So a busy week, I think.
1: Nice. I've got a couple. So uh, picking up the, I was on St Mary's University one last week, and they've uh, they're taking it a step further this week. So they on Thursday the twenty first at seven o'clock. They are looking at practical solutions to applying tactical periodization model to rugby. So that will be uh, that will be really interesting because there's a lot of chat around that at the moment. Um, Magic Academy have got Kevin Baring and Nigel Redman on on Wednesday evening. So that that will be fascinating because they are. A wealth of knowledge um, came out today. Ireland rugby are running their analytica twenty twenty global sports analytic uh, analytics webinar live so that 's this thursday the twenty first and then thursday the twenty eighth uh, it 's a thirty euro donation but that 's going to charity. And they, they've got some absolute world beaters on there to talk about, um, yeah, analytics and analysis and, and how we're dealing with data and some of the stuff around that. And then André Trudeau is doing a session on how to build your defense. And that's on Tuesday, May, no, 19th of May at 6.30. Um, all of the links for this are on the podcast blurb. So that is it. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. Uh, it's been a pleasure to uh, to listen to what your takeaways have been this week. Um, I will round up the roundup. So uh, we hope you found it useful. Thank you to my three guests for that excellent insight. Links to all the content discussed will be shared in the podcast blurb. Please subscribe, like, and share as we ride off into the sunset. I'd like to wish you all the best. Stay safe and go well.